It is a mailbag Friday, but there was maybe one of the most awful takes I have seen on the BYU football program at a prediction for the upcoming season that we must discuss. We're answering your questions as well and also catching up with BYU tight end Jackson Bowers. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By way of quick reminder and introduction, this is your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports, going on five years strong here, doing episodes every single weekday and even sometimes on into the weekend. But a big thank you to all of you for your support of this venture as always. Today's show is brought to you by our new friends at Game time download the game time app create an account use the promo code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase we'll tell you a little bit more about them as today's show progresses all right let's dive right in on today's show it is a mailbag Friday we do these every Friday here on locked on Cougars and there was an I don't know how to say this other way maybe one of those most horrendous takes I've seen in quite some time and I got two or three questions about it asking similar things now those of you who did not see it there was a piece done by Stuart Mandel in The Athletic talking about uh, just predictions for the Big 12 season and he laid out how he thought the season was going to go he actually has BYU finishing in a tie for dead last at 4-8 and on the year 2-7 and in the conference so obviously he's predicting a pretty rough season for the Cougars not going to a bowl game but that that's not the most egregious thing that he said in that piece. Uh, he put out there, he talked about coaches who could be on the hot seat or could be fired. Uh, and he had Kalani Sataki. I can't do it without laughing. I apologize. Uh, he had Kalani Sataki on that list saying that with Utah's introduction into the conference and BYU going up this level and just the, the added pressure and the, 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 the toughness of the schedule, could BYU pull the trigger on Kalani Sataki after year one in the Big 12? And I'm just, like I said. Oh, jeez. Uh, no. No, he's not getting fired after year one. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I know Stu is a guy that has to put stuff out there, and obviously he's trying to generate reaction, and he probably got his wish because, trust me, it was all over social media. I, like I, said, I got two or three of you sending me questions saying, Jake, what do you make of this? And here's the thing. Kalani Satake has had his foibles during his time as BYU's head coach. There, there's, there's no doubt about that. His original staff had some people that were, uh, let's just put it this way, not necessarily as interested in working as hard as they should or upholding the standards that BYU expected him to uphold, and he weeded all that out. He has also dealt with the situation involving one of his absolute best friends in this entire world in Elisa Tuiaki. He tried to give him the longest leash he possibly could as his defensive coordinator, stepping in at times to help uh, hopefully recognize and write the ship defensively and ultimately realize, you know what, I got to cut bait. And he made that decision. Kalani is a guy who has ingratiated himself into Brigham Young University. And if they were to pull the plug on him after one year in the Big 12 Conference, then what in the world is BYU doing in Power 5 football? You've got a guy who has grew up a BYU fan, lived the dream of playing for Lavelle Edwards, paid his dues at literally every level of college football. He started at a junior college, worked at Southern Utah, worked at Utah. Like he's 
at the, both the G5 and the P5 level with the Utes. He's worked at every level of football, has seen a lot of good coaches that he's worked for come and go, and he's he's learned a lot during his time both as an assistant as well as now as a head coach going into his eighth season at the helm of the BYU football program. If BYU were to pull the plug on a guy like Kalani Satake after one year in the Big 12 Conference, something absolutely major would have to come out that I have got nowhere near on my radar. That's the thing. That's how crazy it would have to be. In fact, I am more uh, confident in saying that it's more likely Kalani Sitake gets hired away from BYU than it is that he has ever gets fired by BYU. How about that for a take, Stu Mandel? I, I, I like Stu, honestly. I, I do enjoy reading his work, but there are times that... Just make me like kind of scratch my head and say, what are you doing, dude? But nonetheless, uh, yeah, Kalani Satake is not getting fired. So thanks to, let's see, it was David, uh, Kylie, as well as uh, Carl who sent in that question. So thank you to all of you uh, for the different, like I said, it was a variation of the same question, but Kalani Satake is not going anywhere. He, he will leave BYU of his own volition before he gets fired, it feels like to me. Now, could I be wrong about that two or three, four years down the line if BYU puts up two and ten-like seasons? Okay, that would change the conversation, but I'm telling you right now, BYU's coaching staff have had conversations with enough people inside that program that feel fairly confident they can go out and get to bowl eligibility this year. They, they're not looking like a program that is going to necessarily like come in and fall flat on their face. And like I said, after one year, you're going to cut bait after one year on a guy like that. No, I just, no, 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 it's just not happening. Now, the other question that was sent in, this one came in uh, via Ethan. He said, Jake, did you see the updated honor code standards for BYU? I did see that, Ethan. Uh, obviously some changes. Uh, my youngest brother currently attends Brigham Young University, Idaho up in Rexburg. And I, I, I did get a text from him like literally minutes after the announcement came out yesterday yesterday that I can wear shorts on campus. And I'm like, good for you, dude. I'm happy for you. I'll tell you right now, I had opportunities. I, I, many of you know that I attended Brigham Young University in Provo, obviously for my college career. Uh, but the thing is, I had opportunities to go to BYU-Idaho. And I, I, I'll tell you, one of the major reasons I would never consider going to Rexburg was the fact that I couldn't wear shorts. So I'm happy for all BYUI students, but that's beside the point of what we're talking about here. They've updated this. There's uh, obviously how the honor code is going to be uh, interpreted. Apparently a lot of the questions with the ecclesiastical endorsement that all students uh, must adhere to is very similar to the temple recommend questions that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints puts out there. They obviously you were asked if you want to get a temple recommend to go in uh, to temples of the church. Uh, but the bigger thing is it, it clarified some language with regards to hair. And obviously, I, I don't know how this is going to be enforced. Uh, they'd have some clarification. They expect hair to be short. It's supposed to be trimmed neatly. Mustaches are still the thing. I just, for the life of me, why in the world is a beard not okay? I, I just, that is the one thing I'll continue to, like, my craw is stuck on. Obviously, I've got a beard here. Many of you see it if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, I I just, I don't get what, what makes a beard not okay under BYU standards. But nonetheless, it is what it is. Do I think it's going to make a major change in any way, shape, or form for BYU football or BYU athletics as a whole? Honestly, not really. Athletes who are willing to adhere to the honor code are already uh, knowing w what it is, at least in some form or fashion, or they're going to get uh, caught up on it real quick. And they're going to come to BYU uh, not in spite of the honor code. They're going to come to BYU in many respects because they like the fact that it helps them kind of focus on, B on just their sport. Uh, we're going to talk with a guy 
coming up here in just a little bit, uh, in Jackson Bowers. I had a great conversation with him. I actually got lost in the shuffle. I actually found it literally before minutes before I started recording this podcast. I said, i got to get this out to, to the masses so they can meet uh, BYU's new hotshot four-star freshman. Uh, but he, he'll talk a little bit about what BYU means to him. And just the thing about this is there are a number of athletes out there, and they're members of the BYU football program. I'm not going to name them because it's been stuff that's been off the record, who have told me the reason why they ultimately came to BYU is because of the they, they like the fact that did not have as many off-the-field distractions. They come to BYU, they can focus on school, they can focus on their sports, and they don't have everything else that college life can entail all around them. Now, can you find the trouble? Can you find all that stuff that you want to find at BYU? Absolutely. If you want to go looking for it, you absolutely can find it. I can speak from experience just knowing that, I, that if you want to find it, you can find it. But the thing is, it's a university that aspires to be different than other universities, and it is different than other universities. It's a church-sponsored institution. They adhere to the honor code. They Athletes come to BYU and have to sign that honor code just like every other student, every other uh, employee that uh, come to BYU. You have to adhere to those standards, and they will uphold those standards as well. So, yeah, clarification of the rules, great. BYU-Idaho gets to wear shorts, fantastic. But I just, I, I, Ethan, I don't think it has, as you, you asked, you said it will have any major impact on BYU athletics and their recruiting. I don't think so. Could I be wrong about that? Sure. Are they going to allow guys to have dreads playing football for BYU flowing out of the back of their helmet? I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I just, knowing how BYU operates, it seems like they put one rule out there, get some feedback on it, and then change it almost as quickly as they put the, the original rule out. So we'll see what happens. But very interesting times. But just two very interesting things that came up uh, on a Thursday, obviously. Like I said, Kalani Satake is not going anywhere. And the honor code, it's still there, folks. It's still going to be enforced. And they're just clarifying some language and apparently trying to just kind of get uh, BYU-Hawaii, BYU-Idaho, as well as Brigham Young University the flagship school in Provo kind of on an equal footing and make sure everything's kind of just across the board uh, fairly clear. So I uh, hope those answers, uh, at least those two questions, we've got many more to go here on this show. I've got some other good ones cooked up. We'll get to those here in just a moment. First, though, we need to get a word in on our new friends over at Game Time. Of course, if you guys are a, a big fan of sports, you've been to games. Uh, all of us have been there. I've done it, obviously. But if you are stressed out about buying tickets, Game Time is here to guys out. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. That's where Game Time steps in. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets to all the sporting events, music, comedy, and theater events near you as well. With Killer Deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets you want and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have at those events. They have flash deals and last-minute tickets that pop up. They're available just like maybe an hour before or whatever. You can be easy to find tickets and easy to find and buy those tickets for every kind of event in your area. They have images of the seat views and more importantly, the lowest price guarantee, events cancellation protection, and obviously job loss protection as well. It is the place for last-minute ticket deals, you get some really, really good deals if you're willing to uh, kind of just wait it out, my friends. But that's, the game tag guarantee will also guarantee you get the pr- best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you with 110% of the difference of those tickets. It is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get t- images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what you expect when you arrive. And they also get your tickets to you in a matter of seconds. Two taps. And you're set. Think about it. It's just really, really simple. So snag the tickets without the stress without the stress with our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Locked On College right now for $20 off your first purchase. It's pretty significant, my friends. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code promo code locked on college for $20 off. Download Game Time Day. Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the podcast. Make sure you guys check out the two-part Ultimate College Football Preview covering all things on the Big 12. I was part of the Locked On Big 12 Preview. Uh, looking forward to the season, obviously. And if you have not checked that out, it's available on this channel as well as uh, every other Locked On Big 12 affiliated channel as well. Really encourage you guys to check that out and just watch. It's on YouTube as well as wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's dive right back into the mailbag here. Uh, first one comes in from Royal B. Under Sawaro. Uh, did you change your name, I, I think, there? But uh, says after this, Royal Blue Sawaro says, after observing fall camp, have you seen a difference when it comes to the strength and conditioning of the team versus last year? Uh, I think I can see some differences in certain guys. Like, there are dudes who have absolutely transformed their bodies, but there's a lot of that individual uh, things. Like, uh, Tanner Wall, I, I bring him up all the time on this podcast because Aaron Roderick pointed it out. I, I remember watching Tanner in high school, and he was a fantastic player out in the DMV area in Washington, D.C. But came to BYU, came home off of a mission, and like in a year's time, just absolutely transformed his body. And that seems to happen with two or three guys every year annually. I think it's more of an individual thing in many respects. But uh, a lot of these guys on the BYU football program, particularly I'm talking about like the, the bigger guys, the linemen, they look more svelte. And they're still gigantic human beings. Caleb Etienne is maybe the biggest human being I've seen in quite some time. But the, the they look different. Now, I think the proof will be in the pudding, as I like to often say, when they get out there on the field and see if the strength and conditioning actually holds up. The other thing about this is BYU is going to play in some pretty humid uh, environments, obviously, and that's going to test their strength and conditioning as well, especially the conditioning part. Are you going to be able to avoid cramping up and that type of stuff? But I, I have seen some uh, like differences with guys. It's just not been night and day, so I guess there have been some differences. Uh, next one, uh, Nicholas Chadwick, our good friend. Uh, Nick says, Do you, knowing that BYU breaks our heart each year, what game will they win? That we that BYU shouldn't, and what game will BYU lose that that they shouldn't? I will be at the Arkansas games. I'm hoping that's the game that we win that they should not uh, lose, should not win. Uh, that's a great one right there, Arkansas. I could see that one, uh, honestly. I think BYU could go in there and shock, shock Arkansas. I think there's a number of BYU players who are highly, highly embarrassed, especially on defense after what happened against Arkansas at Lavelle Edwards Stadium last year. That's an easy one, I think, that could be that you're not expecting a win there and you go in to uh, go into Fayetteville and win that game. The one that I could see BYU kind of, say, choking and yakking up a loss Man, the one that comes to mind is a game like Iowa State because Iowa State is dealing with all kinds of issues. They're starting quarterback as well as starting running back. Who's all right? By the way, the running back has already left school uh, voluntarily. The quarterback uh, Hunter Deckers is under investigation. Both of them for uh, allegedly betting on their own games. Uh, that is a game that's got a danger written all over it if you take it too lightly because there's going to be a number of other players. Iowa State's a Power 5 program, and they're going to have some pride and come into Provo. That's one that BYU cannot afford to take too lightly. Another one that I've, just, I've got a feeling that BYU might be taking this team a little too lightly is next week. Sam Houston State redshirted a bunch of upperclassmen with the whole idea of getting them ready for this year and their transition to the FBS ranks. I'm not saying that BYU is in imminent danger of losing that game, but they can't think that they're going to come in and just absolutely steamroll Sam Houston State. This is a championship pedigree program from the FCS. Sam Houston won a national title not too long ago. They're the only team outside of South Dakota. It's them and South Dakota State, if I'm not mistaken, are the only two outside of North Dakota State over the past decade who have won national titles at the FCS level. And anybody Everybody knows about the, the Bison, the NDSU. They have been an absolute dynasty. When you're one of the two teams that has been able to knock them off that throne, that's pretty impressive stuff. So keep an eye on Sam Houston State next week. So hopefully that answers your question. Because I, I do think Arkansas is one that you could go and win. Other one real quick. 
Oklahoma. Uh, you're not expected to win that one, but you're playing. It's a, a senior night, the only trip Oklahoma likely to ever make to Provo. I can see BYU grinding out a win in that one, obviously, and breaking the hearts of Sooner fans. Uh, oh, also, I, I just saw this. Nick, I apologize. You were also, I probably should add you to the list. You said, please tell me and Stuart Mandel why it's dumb to even consider Kalani Satake being on the hot seat, uh, even if BYU bottoms out this season. So Nick, you're the fourth person. I apologize. I just, I'm just I just saw that pop up. I apologize, but yeah, you were. All, I think you already got your answer to that question. Uh, our good friend Garrett at SF Garrett says, with Harper seeing a Micah Harper out for the season, and now his replacement talent Alfrey out for a while, how worried should we be about the strong safety position? Now, uh, the safety positions are almost interchangeable. I'm not necessarily convinced that there uh, there's one's a strong safety, one's a free safety. Malik Moore is going to play more that single high look that BYU likes with their safeties under uh, Jay Hill. So. He'll be the deep safety, I guess you could call it, uh, free safety for those who want to go with more of the traditional in terms of the, the the identification of the safeties. Yeah, there's concern, obviously. Having your top two guys on a depth chart go down due to injury, it's never easy to absorb that. But I think the BYU, I, I trust Jay Hill to find an answer for that. I, and I'm assuming that he's going to plug in. I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast. Uh, keep an eye on guys like uh, Crew Wakely. Uh, Tanner Wall. Keep an eye, especially on Ethan Slade, because I was told uh, by people uh, earlier this week that when Talon Alfrey got injured, Ethan Slade was the first guy to come in and actually play the majority of those snaps in relief of him with the first string defense. So Ethan Slade, the former Orem High walk-on, has made just standout play after standout play every time he's been in camp, it feels like, for BYU the past two years. Keep an eye on him. And you can't discount what Raider Dumuni brings to the table. He's a former four-star prospect. As I understand it, he's just the biggest thing for him is understanding the overall scheme, the play calls, that type of stuff with BYU, but his physical tools are absolutely undeniable. So any mixture of those four guys, also Chika Ebunuha, also probably in that mix, who's a freak athlete in his own right, they're going to try out any and all options there to find an to find the answer for that. And maybe it's just simply you have a cast of characters you're rotating a little bit and try and uh, in these first two games against especially Sam Houston State and Southern Utah, you throw them out there and see who responds the best alongside Malik Moore, and then you make a determination of who's going to be the guy. But uh, I think it'll be a cast of characters to find the right answer. And the nice part is you have two, as we like to call them, two up games in a way uh, to get that sorted out hopefully as you get ready for week three going to Arkansas. Alright, one final question comes uh, goes to the basketball realm from our good friend Greg Romano at 201 TDS. Uh, Greg says this with BYU basketball having two open scholarships heading into the season, should Mark Pope and the rest of the staff have made a strang- stronger effort excuse me, to keep Jake Wallen on the team? In addition with his j- friend Jake now a Ute in the Big 12, how long does Colin Chandler remain a Cougar? Now, I think in retrospect, yeah, BYU maybe could have made a little uh, extra push to try and keep Jake Wallen in the fold, but they didn't necessarily know uh, that things were going to go south with Quez Glover. Now, I mentioned this earlier this week on the podcast talking about Quez Glover and the situation, and I said I would dig into it and see what I could find out with regards to uh, what's going on uh, with that situation. Had some conversations with folks, and there was an incident, and I'm not breaking any confidence this year because PK, who I work with at the KSL Sports Zone, said this on the radio, so I'm not I'm not saying anything that he hasn't said. There was an incident between Mark Pope and Quez Glover. There was a disagreement there, and apparently the way I understand it is there was a, there was a difference of uh, understanding of what Quez Glover thought he was getting and what BYU thought they were, were giving him. Does that make sense? So there, there, they, there was a miscommunication, it sounds like, 
like in what was being guaranteed, who said what, who, who told him he was getting what, that type of stuff. There was an incident, and then he ultimately decided to look elsewhere. He re-entered the transfer portal and ultimately landed at Kansas State. Now, a number of you, when I talked about the comments and played those comments from Jerome Tang, the head coach of Kansas State, you guys responded in four saying that, hey, he needs to, he needs to back off that. He needs to uh, talk to Coach Pope privately. Here's the thing. The way I understand it is that Coach Pope knows that he is up against it. The other thing is there's a number of other people out there on social media who are saying that BYU's collectives, um, speaking of collectives as a whole, the Royal Blue, Coog Connect, whoever else, uh, Fanbox Nation is out there. I know kind of a new one out there as well. They're saying that they need to do more to help BYU in terms of the recruiting game. I can tell you based on the conversations I had this week that BYU's collectives, all of them, um, are doing their, are doing work. They're doing their absolute best to help BYU basketball. So don't think that they're sitting on their hands and trying to actively uh, uh, tear down the BYU basketball, pro- whatever your, your, your thought process is. They're doing their best. Quez Glover ultimately, I think, came to BYU and uh, just felt like, you know what, it was in his, his best interest to look elsewhere. Is he getting more money reportedly from Kansas State than BYU offered him? As I understand it, yes. He is getting paid somewhere north of $200,000, and he very well might be a bench role player for Kansas State this season. So be it. Uh, BYU is efforting, though, to make sure the the collective and the overall recruiting s uh, the recruiting aspect of that with NIL is as competitive as they possibly can make it. The other thing about this is is that uh, Mark Pope is absolutely going to have to go out and answer for that on the recruiting trail. I, I, I talk about this perception is not necessarily always reality, but in recruiting. You'll spin it any which way you can to get an advantage over your opponents. And Mark Pope is going to have to battle against that perception moving forward here. Now, one thing that can really, really help in that regard is winning basketball games. And the other thing about this is you mentioned the two scholarships. That's the other thing about this. I don't expect BYU to fill either one of those scholarships, at least at this juncture. That's going to leave BYU shorthanded this season. But uh, the, the thing is, you will be able to go out on the recruiting trail and hopefully uh, find some guys via the transfer portal and uh, bring them in and know that, hey, we've got those open scholarship slots. But to your point, Greg, uh, maybe they should have made a little bit extra effort to bring Jake Wallen in. I don't know much uh, to uh, to say about the Colin Chandler situation. I am fully expecting him to be a Cougar uh, at the end of the day. He picked BYU uh, after a, a really contentious back-and-forth recruiting process between BYU and Utah. He grew up Utah guy. We all know that. It was a Utah family, but he ultimately opted to play for Mark Pope and BYU. Until he says he's going elsewhere, I would hold to the faith that he is going to be a BYU Cougar, and I gotta say, everything I have seen slash heard about Colin Chandler during his high school days indicate to me that he is a a program-changing type player, and BYU would do very well to keep him in the fold, because he could come in and really be what I think might be the first true NBA caliber prospect that BYU's had in quite some time. I'm not saying the other guys on this roster right now can't necessarily develop into that, but uh, I think that there is there is a lot of confidence in Colin Chandler's ability to be, we're talking uh, let's say Mikelly Wesley, a Travis Hans. Think, think of the players who were head and, obviously Jimmer Fredette's the, the A-list, that he's like the gold standard, but think of those program-changing type players. 
Colin Chandler very well could be that for BYU, and I'm going to expect that he's a Cougar until I hear otherwise. Uh, one other quick thing, uh, Danny asked this. He asked about, have you heard much about Dawson Baker with regards to the overseas trip BYU over there in Europe? I have not, honestly. I've been uh, kind of reading the updates on the scores. BYU finished up their trip actually yesterday with an 84-78 to win over KK Split, who's one of the uh, teams there in Croatia. It's actually a really solid win because this is a legitimate uh, pro team there in Croatia. Apparently, they were second in the league behind KK Zadar, who BYU lost to the day before. Solid win for BYU. Jackson Robinson leading the Cougars in scoring once again with 17 points. Fuseni Traore, 13.7 rebounds. Noah Waterman, 10 points, 10 rebounds. A double-double for the Waterman. Uh, Trevin Nell, 10 points in his own right. So uh, really good showings for all these players, but I honestly have not heard much about Dawson Baker, but BYU does expect him to make an impact for, for the Cougars. He's too good of a player coming from over from UC Irvine, Denny, to not be expected to be a guy that BYU can rely on. But uh, a lot of crazy times on the BYU basketball front. So hopefully I was able to express a little bit of what I learned about the, the, the collective side of things and what happened with Quez Glover. It's not ideal, honestly, with the Quez Glover situation because it leaves BYU shorthanded, obviously. Uh, it leaves him hurt feelings, I think, on all sides of that, but at the same time, you have to move forward here and who BYU's got right now, the, the the guys they have on scholarship, that's who they're going to have this season. It just feels like it's just way, way, way too tight of a window to get anybody signed and get them enrolled in school right away. So, BYU very well may play their first season as a Big 12 program with two vacant scholarship slots. The other thing about this is filling them, by the way, uh, with walk-on players uh, because BYU has moved into the Big 12, that guarantees that scholarship for however long that athlete is in school. So that that's the concern with putting a uh, walk-on on scholarship is you guarantee them for the two, three, four years, however long they may be playing for the BYU basketball program if you decide to make that call. We'll see. Uh, Trayden Christensen, who had a role last year, he might be the most likely of the bunch to get a scholarship of that caliber, uh, but we'll have to kind of wait and th- see how things kind of pan out. Alright, uh, uh, we're going to move along here. We're going to talk some BYU football uh, coming up next. Had a great chat. As I mentioned, I, I it's kind of my bad. I, I just kind of glossed over it, but I, I missed an opportunity to play an interview earlier this week that we had uh, sitting in the the queue. I, I've literally been sitting there waiting. Apparently, I just uh, missed it uh, with, da- not Dawson Baker, uh, with Jackson Bowers, BYU tight end, a freshman, a former four-star prospect. Uh, with to that conversation, we'll also round out our look back at all 155 games in BYU's independent run. We finally finish it. After nine months of doing this, roughly, uh, we finally finish it up. The final two games of 155 game look back. We'll get to all that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, a real quick word on our friends over at UCCU. Learn and Earn is the UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Kids, of course, look to parents to become financially literate, and parents don't always have the answers, and that's where UCCU steps in. Learn and Earn breaks down financial topics into fun bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can accrue and be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family, and all of you can compete against one another and track your progress on leaderboards. The best part is Learn and Earn is available inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so play at any time, anywhere. The more you play, the more you earn, and the more you learn, the more you earn. Excuse me, I screwed that up. The, the the more you play, the more you learn, and the more you learn, the more you earn. That's There we go. Got it right. Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping teens, youth, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together. It's all courtesy of UCCU. Love where you bank. 
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Friday. Uh, whenever you hear this, it's going to be a little bit longer edition of the podcast. But nonetheless, a big thank you to uh, all of you for your support of the podcast. All right, time now to let you guys hear a, a conversation I had with Jackson Bowers. Freshman tight end, a four-star prospect, comes to BYU by way of Mountain View High School down there in Mesa, Arizona. He is expected to have a role for BYU this year, even though he is a very much a young man. BYU really likes his skill set. And without further ado, here you go, Jackson. Bauer speaking with myself right here on Locked On Cougars. Jackson, obviously you're newcomer to the football program, but you've known about this program for a long time. You committed. What's it been like so far in training camp? Everything that I thought it would be. I mean, just coming here and having all these guys to compete against every day and just being able to get better and see myself just become stronger. Mm-hmm. It's just been awesome just being able to have that college experience and just being able to see myself grow from a high school player to a college player. What did you work on the most from the end of your, I guess, senior year in high school to enrolling now? Um, just becoming more athletic and okay. just over time I could see just me being able to jump higher, run faster. And so that's just been my goal and it's been proven. Now you come from a program that's got a really rich legacy down there at Mountain View Mesa. Is there a player maybe from the Arizona ranks or anything else that you grew up like idolizing? And there's Cody Sorry. right there. This is my man right here. This dude is a great blocker. He's going to be a great tight end for yes, us. Sir. He makes big plays, and he has the if factor that he doesn't care who's in front of him, he's going to put him to the ground. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Right yes, sir. Thanks, Cody. Great guy. Yes, sir. Uh, but, yeah, is there a tight end you kind of model your game after? Um, I mean, I like watching crazy players. So I like watching Rob Gronkowski and yeah. George Kittle play. Yeah. I mean, a player from Mountain View that, I mean, tight end Todd Heap. I mean, I super, say, is, super is, athletic. Is Todd t- Heap? Yeah, yeah, super athletic tight end watch growing up. Uh-huh. I mean, I just want to be able to catch the ball like he did. So, yeah, growing up watching him was awesome. Uh, did you ever work out or have association with John Beck at all? Um, the first time I met him was when I got up here during okay. the summer. So while the quarterbacks worked out with him, I was able to talk to him, get close to him, see where yeah. learn about him and stuff like that. So Very cool. Uh, what, in terms of your BYU experience so far, what's been your favorite part of Utah? I know that you've probably, so you've probably been to Utah multiple yeah. times. but I mean – Right now, it's just being able to wake up every day and play football. That's just that's what I love about Utah so much is being able to just be able to wake up and do what I love every day. So, what do you want to accomplish as a freshman? Do you expect to play? Um, I want to do the best that I can do because we have a lot of talented guys in my room, and so nothing against them. They're they're guys that are, they're gonna they can do the job just like I can do it. So I mean, I'm just I need to work harder if I want to be able to get that opportunity to play. So, favorite thing about Coach Clark so far? Um, he made me love football again. Good. Yeah. Is he is because obviously you recruit he was recru- you recruited him. Is he any different now versus what he was on the recruiting trail? No, I mean he's still as funny. He still brightens up my day every day coming into football. So he's he made me love football again. So very cool. Well, Jackson, thank you so much for the time. Yes, sir. Thank you. There you go, Jackson Bowers, BYU tight end, and Steve Clark helped him fall in love with football again. That that that's the mark of a good coach, right there. By the way, uh, getting a kid who may have been a little burned out, and obviously the, these young men, they have been playing that sport at a high level for a very long time. To hear him say that Coach Clark helped him love football again, that's that's, that's got to go like up on the like the trophy shelf for a guy like uh, to, for Steve Clark. And I got to say, Steve Clark is hardly the the, the the I'm saying Jackson Bowers is hardly the only guy that Steve Clark has probably touched in such a way. And really really cool to hear that coming from a true freshman who's not been in the program very long. But a big thank you all the same uh, from Jackson Bowers, and he's looking forward to playing his absolute best as you heard him say. But uh, expecting 
him to have a role this year for the Cougars. He's too good of a player not to see the field for BYU. And if BYU does want to keep his redshirt intact, he can play in up to four games and still redshirt. So that's the thing about this. It's kind of a strategic deal as well. All right, uh, on to other topics before we go on today's show. A couple of things here. Uh, BYU uh, women's soccer ranked number 11 in the country made it 3-0 to start the season with a 2-0 win over Long Beach State. Uh, want to send our best wishes to the uh, Long Beach State uh, midfielder who was uh, taken by ambulance to the hospital after a collision in the box. I apologize, I forgot to write down her name on my rundown here, but a big win for BYU all the same. They will take on their first road trip of the season. They're headed to Boise State tomorrow night. That's a 7 o'clock Mountain Time start up there in Boise uh, for BYU women's soccer. Uh, expecting them to make it 4-0 on the season, but uh, looking forward to that, obviously. A big win for the Cougars, uh, 2-0. Bella Felino, by the way, becomes the 14th member of BYU's uh, 30 goal club. It's a pretty exclusive uh, uh, group of uh, BYU women's soccer players who have scored 30 career goals, and Bella Felino did that. She scored the second of the two goals for BYU in their 2-0 shutout of the beach. Also, BYU women's volleyball, their season starts in earnest today. They're up in uh, uh, Montana, of all places, taking on number 5 Pitt. BYU and the Panthers will square off at 2 o'clock Mountain Time today. It's a Dahlberg Arena there in Missoula, Montana. It will be streamed live on ESPN+. They will also play two more matches uh, tomorrow, uh, one against UT Rio Grande Valley as well as the host Montana. Uh, so BYU ranks 17th in the country to start the season here. So a top 20 showdown uh, to start off this tournament against Pitt, but then obviously opportunities against the Rio Grande Valley uh, Vipers, I think is what they are, and the Montana Grizzlies uh, tomorrow as well. So best of luck to the women's volleyball program. Hopefully they can have a good start to the season and come home 3-0 and from that tournament up in Montana. All right, final notes on today's show is our look back. And by the way, it's crazy to think. Uh, I started looking back at all 155 games BYU played in their independent era. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was early January when we started doing this. And the goal was to have it just be a, an off-season long deal to help us get ready for the upcoming season, to look back at the history of BYU's independent run because they're starting a new era of football, as we all know, in the Big 12 this fall. It was a fun thing to go through because I was able to recall and uh, recount multiple moments of my years covering BYU that coincide a lot of uh, my professional career uh, covering the Cougars co- coincides really with the entire run of independence. So covering all 155 of these games has been really, really fun to do. And today we finish it off. It's no better time to finish it off than the Friday before it's officially game week on Monday. And we really turn our attention to Sam Houston state and obviously the start of the big 12 era. But let's talk about the final two games of the 2022 season and the regular season finale that year, BYU had bounced back with back-to-back wins, uh, getting to six and five. They were bowl eligible and they were heading Headed to Stanford to take on the Cardinal. Now, the Cardinal were way down. Uh, David Shaw, as we would find out after this game, uh, was stepping down. He resigned from his position, and obviously a whole new era for Stanford was about to begin. And who, by the way, now that looking at that, crazy to think that uh, they have a new head coach and they don't have a conference right now. Uh, the ACC considering picking them up, but they went in this game, speaking of BYU, uh, feeling pretty good about themselves after back-to-back wins, uh, beating Boise State, as we all know, and then obviously blowing out Utah Tech. Coming into this game, BYU is expecting to have have a little easier time, but uh, then Stanford decided, you know what, we're going to make things a little more interesting. Now, Tanner McKee ended up 313 yards and one touchdown. The former BYU recruit starting his final game for the Stanford Cardinal. He is now a Philadelphia Eagle. Meanwhile, Jaron Hall ended up 7 of 11 for 93 yards and two touchdowns, but then Jaron Hall suffered that leg injury, got rolled up on in this game, and Jaron Hall will have a unique distinction in his BYU career, if I'm not mistaken of being a two-year starting quarterback for BYU, but having never played in a single bowl game in his BYU career. 
Crazy scenes, but all the same, it's how it worked out. Uh, the other thing about this is once he went down, BYU refused to throw the football. I think Jacob Conover, yeah, he had one attempt in this game uh, throwing the ball. They went all in on the run to finish out the game. Chris Brooks finishing off with 23 carries and 164 yards in his final uh, regular season game for the Cougars. Hinkley Rapati, nine carries for 85 yards. Jaron Hall, 69 yards rushing and a touchdown of his own. Uh, Puka Dakua added a touchdown as well as Rapati. So BYU ran it 50 times for 358 yards. Absolutely just just dominating uh, Stanford in this game. 7.2 yards per carry uh, and just got out of there with the win. A little closer than you would have expected because BYU was up 28-12 at halftime, but Stanford scores two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Make it a little more interesting, but BYU gets out of there with a 35-26 victory and then shortly thereafter officially accepted their invite to the New Mexico Bowl where they would face off against the SMU Mustangs. Now, I had the opportunity to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico. My first trip, by the way, ever to Albuquerque in my entire life to watch this game. Got a say great food uh, there in Albuquerque, but a crazy game wasn't necessarily the cleanest game because we all know, I'd mentioned that Jaron Hall was injured against Stanford. The question was, is he going to be healthy enough to play in this game? No, he was not because he had a high ankle sprain, never was able to get the mobility back into it to feel like they were comfortable in clearing him to play football for BYU in this game. So they ultimately turned their attention to Soljay Mayava Peters as BYU starting quarterback. And things started off pretty auspiciously for BYU in this game. Uh, Soljay Ended up 7 of 12 for just 47 yards and ended up also leading BYU in rushing with 96 yards and one touchdown. BYU just got it. was absolutely an incredible game. It was 10-7 SMU lead after the first quarter. Then BYU piles up 17 unanswered points to go up at 24 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. But then SMU started figuring things out. Tanner Mordecai ended up 218 yards and two touchdowns in this game. But the biggest play of the game, many of you will call it, well, two of them. Ben Bywater gets a pick six in the fourth quarter. Just absolutely incredible play. Uh, just he, he read the quarterback, gets the ball, and off to the races using his rugby skills he learned as a high schooler and racing to the end zone and getting those points. The other play... Jacob Robinson with one of the finest form tackles you're ever going to see right there on the goal line to preserve a 24-23 lead in BYU's victory to finish their season 8-5 and uh, with a 24-23 victory over SMU. Crazy game, crazy scenes, a great road trip, obviously, that I enjoyed. I know a number of you also made the trip down there to Albuquerque, but a big win for BYU wearing those blackout uniforms. Uh, another time they wore those earlier on in the season against Notre Dame, obviously, but uh, I got to give a big tip of the cap to Aaron Roderick. He won a game as an offensive coordinator with a guy who would ultimately, after that game, end up playing running back for him. Obviously in spring ball, now Soljay is kind of in uh, purgatory right now. We don't know what his status is going to be moving forward, but for them to win with a quarterback who threw for just 47 yards, absolutely incredible performance, but BYU finishes it off with a 24-23 to victory and obviously uh, goes off into the, the, to the Big 12. It's been a long project, it's been a fun project, and thank you to all of you who have listened to every episode uh, over the past eight, nine months as he broke down all 155 of those games. It's been an absolute, uh, it's been it's been a labor of love. It's been fun to look back at these games, reading box scores, trying to remember uh, tidbits of my time covering the Cougars and bringing those into the storylines, but BYU finishes it off with a win, obviously. You go out on top, and now BYU gets ready 
for the Big 12 era and Sam Houston State beginning next Saturday night. All right, my friends, that is going to do it for today's edition of the podcast. Longer episode. I apologize for that. I typically try to keep them a little bit shorter so you guys don't have to break them up if you're uh, commuting to and from work. But nonetheless, a big thank you for all of your support of the podcast as always. Thank you. Oh, by the way, I just saw this pop up. Uh, Robert, I think I already answered your question. You asked about the two open scholarships. Is it too late to fill those? Yeah, it is too late. So I'm literally seeing that right as I'm finishing up today's podcast. Robert, Hopefully I answered your question earlier on. I just saw that pop up as I was starting to close up shop. But nonetheless, uh, thank you for all of your support. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, everybody. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Uh, get ready. Week zero action tomorrow. Enjoy those games out there. The one over in Dublin between Navy and Notre Dame. There's USC and San Jose State. There's some fun games. Enjoy that. And, of course, we'll reconvene on Monday. And it's game week, folks. It is on. We're getting ready for Sam Houston State. And get excited for that. This has been... Uh, uh, just to buy, also one other thing real quick. I'm I'm way over time, so I might as well just spend some more time talking BYU. Uh, just get ready for it, folks. Crazy times, and we have a player locked in to join us all season long right here on the podcast. We make that announcement on Monday as well. So until then, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.